Hi everyone, welcome to season two, episode 26 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra. And I'm Christina. Today we're talking about Paula Gallant. She was murdered and left in the trunk of her car at her job. What happened to this beloved school teacher left a town in Nova Scotia shocked? Let's grab some coffee and talk about this crime. Paula Ann Gallant was born to a loving family on December 5th, 1969 in Nova Scotia. She had a close-knit family and very loving parents. Unfortunately, Paula and her two sisters, Lynn and Lana, had to grow up kind of fast. Their father died in 1985 and their mother passed away in 1989. Lynn, as the oldest, took on kind of a motherly type role. She didn't really need to be a mom because by the time their mother passed away, Paula, the youngest, was already 20, but she took on that more maternal role, and she was her sort of mom-slash-friend for both of the siblings. Paula was always good with children, and she wanted to work with them, so she went on to become a teacher, and she especially loved art. She took art classes whenever she could. Now, in 1999, Paula gets a job working at a local elementary school. She was a grade three teacher. She meets a man named John Wayne McGray, and they end up getting married July 5th, 2003. They have a child together on January 6th, 2005, and her name is Anne Paul McGray. Now we fast forward a little bit of that year to December. They spend their Christmas holidays with Paula's sisters, and everything is normal, and they all just have a nice family Christmas together. Unfortunately, on December 27th, 2005, at 7 p.m., Jason calls Paula's sister to see if she's seen her. He tells her that Paula went to Costco for diapers and some essentials, but she never returned. He waits about 45 minutes and decides to call the police, and he tells them the exact same thing that he told Paula's family. Now, the family and friends get out right away, and they start looking for her. They literally waste no time. And sadly, they find the body of Paula Gallant. A group of her friends and family find her car at the school parking lot where she worked on December 28th, the very next day. Her body is in the trunk of the car, wrapped up in the fetal position. Paula and Jason's family are all doing interviews and they make public statements. This case was huge in Nova Scotia. It was covered nationally as well. I remembered the case actually when I saw Paula's picture because it went unsolved for a good few years. So yeah, I don't remember this story. If you if you actually saw her picture, you might remember it because like when the anniversary of her death came up, they would... They would show the picture? Yeah. Okay. Now, Jason puts out a public statement on in December of 2007 to the Chronicle Herald newspaper, and I'm gonna read what he says to them. So here it is, the quote. We live in a very close-knit community. Everyone says hi to everyone in the streets, and there are always people on the streets in our neighborhood every day. I can't understand how something like this tragedy could have happened in the middle of the day and no one see anything. If someone knows something and is afraid to come forward, It's not too late. Any information, even the smallest detail, may lead to a break in the case. My little girl is growing up without her mother because we have a killer walking among us. I don't know what happened. 
I don't know. I don't want this to happen to someone else. If anyone knows anything about this case, please call the police or Crime Stoppers. So was there ever a time during it being unsolved that they thought that it was Jason? That they thought it was the husband? They interviewed him a lot. Okay. And, I mean, they never named him. But, you know, the husband is always... Yeah, the the first. The closest people are always the first, right? And the last person to have seen her, too, right? Okay. And, I mean, through the media and everything, Jason does really look like the grieving husband. Mm -hmm. He really wants the case... He always says that he wants the case to be solved, which usually when people do something like this, they don't say that. Right, right, exactly. And they don't normally continually talk to the media Mm -hmm. either, but he did. The police, on the other hand, suspected Jason from jump. Okay. Now, Jason did some things that were kind of red flags, sort of from the beginning. He tries to cash in the life insurance policy like a couple days after she was found. Oh. Which is kind of shitty, but... But we don't know. I mean, if if you want to play the other side... We don't know what their financial situation was, and maybe he was trying right. to pay for the funeral or, or yeah. something like that. I That's don't know. True. Now, he never gave Paula a headstone. Oh. And it was kind of just like, he didn't care. Like, that to me is a huge red flag. Mm-hmm. And it was big for the police, too, because everyone get like most people, I'm going to say a good amount of people get a headstone. Right. Especially under these circumstances, you would think that they would want to. Yeah. Now, another red flag for the police was what Paula was found uh, wearing. Okay. She was found wearing um, like a flat shoe, like a loafer style flat shoe. Okay. And a pullover, black, a black pullover with a windbreaker. Remember, it's oh, December. When, oh, when she was murdered, it, it was, was December twenty seventh when right. she. So that's like. And this is Nova Scotia. And this is. And Halifax, we, where right she went to, supposedly she went to Costco like that. Yeah, not even like boots or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was a big one. Mm-hmm. So the local police get together with the RCMP because they believe that Jason has the answers, and they begin the Mister Big operation. Which feels like every third case that we've covered is a mystery operation. It really does. So they pose as an organized crime um, and they try to get his trust. And they tell Jason that they want to make him a part of the group like they always do. Right. And this one was a very long operation. It started in 2009. And by April of 2010, they get to the point of convincing Jason to bring him into the inner circle. He's so comfortable with them that he quits his full-time job. Oh, okay. Now, by August, he has a meeting with, you know, the guy in charge. And he tells Jason, the, the Mr. Big, the, you know, most common story. That we know the police have something on you. You tell us everything and our guys on the inside will get rid of it all. Okay. So, Jason believes it. And goes through what happened on December 27th, 2005. Okay, so in the afternoon on the 27th, they were both at home. And while their one-year-old was asleep upstairs, Paula and Jason started arguing over some online gambling debt. Now, Jason says that he told Paula that it was his brother's. Okay. 
but he does end up admitting that it was his, and it's a $700 gambling debt. Okay. Now they're in the basement, and Paula sits down at the computer table, and at this point, she's facing away from Jason. Jason goes upstairs and grabs a two-by-four. He returns, and he hits Paula in the back of the head with the piece of wood. He also describes missing her head and mm-hmm. hitting the, like, the drywall. He says that she got up from the chair and she, she faced him and he thought that she would fall down, but she didn't. She actually just started screaming. Okay. And at that point, he grabs her, he pushes her into the laundry room, and he strangles her with both of his hands. And he believes at this point that she peed herself. He then goes upstairs. He gets saran wrap. He puts it around her head to make sure she isn't breathing anymore. And he says that he leaves her there for 20 minutes. Jeez. And then he goes upstairs to get their daughter because she was asleep. Now she's awake. He puts her in the high chair and he feeds her. After this, Jason goes to check to make sure nobody's outside. And then he dresses Paula in the ridiculous outfit. And he covers her with um, a blanket from the basement and he slides her body from a window that is adjacent to the driveway. He puts Paula in her own car and he covers her with another blanket that was already in the car. So he needs to get rid of the car now and he goes to her elementary school and abandons the car there. He even leaves the keys inside the car. Kind of disturbing. Remember, Anna's at home. So the one-year-old. The one-year-old. So he left her in the high chair at home alone while he did this. And... Well, he also was feeding his daughter, daughter while right. his dead wife that he killed... Is, is in the laundry room. Now, when he gets back, um, he takes Anna out to the Halifax Shopping Center around 4 p.m. And then he there he throws out the 2 by 4 and the saran wrap in the dumpster. He runs some errands as well. He deposits $100 and he buys batteries, which I thought was really strange. Yeah. And when he gets back home, he finds one of Paula's earrings and he actually um, throws it away at a local Tim Hortons about three days later. He also tells the RCMP officer that he checked her nails at the funeral and he noticed that they cut them. I guess he... In one of the reports, it said that he had some scratches on his hand in one of the early interviews, and maybe that was from her like fighting back. Oh, you know okay, what I mean? yeah, yeah. Now, the RCMP officer tells him, "Okay, well, you told us this. Now let's go to your house because he still lives there, and you're gonna recreate it for us. You're gonna show us exactly what happens." And why is this? Just because they want? They to... said, "Let's get more information. Like maybe if we recreate, you'll remember more." Okay. Okay. And he does. And while they're there, he points out some of the things. He shows them the patch job from hitting the wall with a two by four. Mm-hmm. And it's still visible. Okay. Like you could see the patch job, but I guess it was a crappy patch job and you can still yeah. see it. Sure. He says how difficult it was to strangle her. And he tells the officer that while Paula was on the floor before she died, she said, what are you doing? Stop. He's disgusting. Yeah. He goes into some details. There's like a lot of details about the noises that she made and all that kind right. of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to add insult to injury, he describes hearing their baby on the monitor while he's killing her. Like she was waking up 
in the middle of him murdering mm-hmm. his mom, her mm-hmm. mom. He goes into great detail that would take us literally three days to talk about. Okay. It's all on paulaglant.com if you want to look it up. But he thought about this a lot. He, he even thought about it while he was jogging home from abandoning the car. He stops at the mailbox and pretends to look in it in case someone saw him out there. He could say, oh yeah, I was outside just getting mail. So he was already coming up with an alibi. Trying to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do have some quotes from the Mr. Big operation that I wanted to read you. Just give me one second and we'll get that going. Okay, so you're going to read the officer and I'll read Jason's part. Okay, so I'm going to start as the officer. Uh, just curious, like, because I, I, at what point did, did you know you were going to fucking whack her? Um, honestly, I had thought about it before. I didn't think I would ever do it. Um, then yeah, I pretty much knew I was going to do it when I did it. But did you wake up that morning and say, I'm going to tell her and I'm going to fucking whack her right after or? No. It just happened like that? Just, uh, yeah, it just happened. But you thought about it before? Um, so yeah, I had thoughts about it, but I didn't think I would ever do it, but. How long before that did you have last thoughts that you were going to whack her? The last time I thought about it? Yeah. Oh, it was, um, yeah, a couple of days before that, probably. A couple of days, did you? But you were thinking like, doing it that way or um yeah if I I'm trying to think I thought of it I actually thought to myself how how could I do this if I actually did it and uh yeah that was pretty much my okay well that's that part and then he says something else kind of interesting okay so I'm gonna start up again as the uh officer Okay, and then you guys had this argument and you choked her. You guys weren't getting along or what? No, I mean, we were getting along fine. It was it was little things, um, little petty things. Um, like we had little arguments, but nothing too major. Um, but then she just found out that I had just lost a little bit of gambling money. Huh. So she probably wasn't too happy about that. No, she wasn't happy about that. Is that what you guys argued about? Basically, yeah. And I only wanted to read this because he literally thought about killing his wife over a $700 gambling debt. But but see, he goes on to, I mean, he says a couple of times, yeah, I thought about it before. So I think this was his excuse almost. Like he used right. like, well, I have a bit of gambling gambling debt. debt. And, you know, she doesn't like it and maybe she's getting on my nerves. Like, it doesn't sound like he really, it wasn't that major. It was 700 bucks. There was, I don't know where it is, but I mean, it goes on for a while. But there was one part where he says when she started, when she found out about the gambling debt that he was like, yeah, today's the day. Wow. Is this, like that, I know he's a murderer and I know that it's psychotic, but it feels right. just so wrong. I don't know. I'm... Yeah, I'm just, blown away by some of the things that he says and how callous he is right. about talking about the mother of his child. Right, exactly. You know, and then that like earlier, just walk away. 
Just just get a just divorce. Leave. And that earlier statement about like my my daughter's growing up without a mother, you know that earlier statement that he put out, it's like you piece yeah. of trash. Trash, yeah. To say the least. Well, mm-hmm. Jason is arrested on August 17th, 2010, and he's tried for second degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison with no parole for 15 years. What surprises me is that he got Second degree. Second degree. I mean, he clearly has said... He thought about it before. He thought about it before, and he woke up that day and said, yeah, today's the day. Yeah. And he did, like, I mean, we're just reading this right now, but yeah, like I had thought about, like, do I wake up in the morning one day and just grab her in bed? And then I had some different ideas, and then that day, it just... It's like, he knew he was going to kill her. Yeah, he he clearly states it a couple of times. Like, yeah, I woke up that day and I just thought today's the day. It's horrible. Yeah, and yeah, it's so gross. Like, because when you look at some of the transcripts, you can see that, like you said, he's very callous about it. And there's like short laughter. Yep. Um, but just to go to the media and pretend to be this grieving husband. Yeah. And you know that you're the killer. Like, that's a different kind of psycho this isn't just someone who was like leave me alone i don't want to talk to the media anymore this was someone who went out and still talked to them yeah now paula was truly truly beloved in her community they redid the art room at her elementary school in her honor oh that's nice they named a street after her in 2007 and this is still while the case was unsolved Mm -hmm. but there is a street named paula drive Oh, that's nice. And there was a book written called Miss Gallant's Favorite Season. So she was clearly loved by the school, mm-hmm. by everyone. It's it's so sad. Yeah. Uh, do you know what happened to the daughter? Is she in the custody of family or? I don't know. I couldn't find it. Yeah, I'm they probably praying tried to keep that it she's with of... the sisters. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm sure that's where she's probably the the best right like well that's probably what um paula would have wanted Wanted. right yeah i think so uh that's it that's the case of paula gallant uh remember to follow us on instagram at sisters.coffee.and.crime and on twitter at sisters cnc pod please rate and review us on apple This is Christina and Sandra. Talk soon.